Good morning, Faith Fellowship. It's good to see you guys this morning and those on the Zoom. Good to uh, see your um, black boxes with with your names on them. (laughs) Don't worry about, you don't have to put a picture up or nothing like that. I just like to give that group a little bit of trouble just because none of them, I see their faces. That's all. It's just, it's like you hate me or something. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, so um, if you have your Bible, of course, be turning to Acts chapter 8. We need to uh, finish what we were looking at uh, last week. Hey, oh my God, Stacy is in the house, man. Hi, Stacy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, you know, that's the one thing uh, about uh, uh, COVID is kind of interesting is people that have been with you uh, on Zoom, when you finally get a chance to see them again, man, it's yeah. like special, you know. Yeah. And so, just as you guys have gradually been coming in, you know, as I really love that, and just that time there. Um, so yeah, we're gonna be in Acts chapter eight, and uh, let me just get my iPad set up here, so that way we can rock and roll. Okay, now so. As was said, we started in Acts chapter 8. This is uh, a great transition from where we were in chapter 7. And uh, I would say we need to kind of go back just so we can remember a little bit of what's being set up for us here. Okay, now, we know that this chapter 8 is a part of the fulfilling of Jesus' command to the apostles. Okay, so now he had said something to them, and I want to jog your memory because it's been months since we revisited this particular three verses. That would be in Acts 1, 6 through 8. And it says this, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said of them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, that's that's key, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so if you have your Bible already turned into Acts, let's just look at what does verse 1 say. It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about Stephen, who we looked at in great detail, his message to the Sanhedrin. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Okay, so now you see that the thing that Christ said to do, they are doing. Which is why we said that those that scattering is not necessarily like just in fear and horror, but like, okay, this is what you're going to do in Jerusalem? We're going to fan out. And now we're going to start laying these seeds down in these other places. And uh, and so, that's where we're going to find ourselves. In. But, but before we get started, we need to pray. Right? And then, we'll get into it. Alright, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray that uh, you would just be with us this morning. Lord, we are grateful to just be in your house and in your presence. Lord, your word is going to be open. We're excited about just the possibilities of comfort. You're going to tell us, give us commands, instruct us, um, 
Lord, and so we are looking forward to that. Father, would you have your way with us? Lord, would you remove me out of the way and to speak freely uh, through me? Um, Lord, that everything that needs to be said will be said. And Lord, I pray that it would minister to the listeners and that, Lord, we all would obey what it is that you're saying this morning. And so, Father, just be with us as a group. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So now we got to remember something that's kind of important about Acts. It's broken up into two primary divisions. And some of you may not have heard this. A lot of you know this because you've been in an LFBI. But there are two great divisions that we have to understand. Okay, so there's this greater crusade of Jerusalem. That's in chapters 1 through 12. And then there's the greater crusade that's coming that we will see. We're not there yet because we're in chapter 8. That is of the world. Okay? And that's between 13 and then all the way to 28. And so right now, we're still in this spot where Jerusalem is the focus. There is an intent of the heart of the apostles, essentially, to see that Jesus Christ reign from the throne. So they're looking for this kingdom of heaven uh, ideology that will be his establishment as, as king in a physical sense, and that he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. That's what they're looking forward to. But the thing is about that, there are these rejections that have taken place prior. We need to mention those so that way that you just kind of keep things straight because this is a weird chapter. And it's weird because there's going to be some things that we're going to see as it relates to the Holy Spirit and baptism that could get you messed up. So we'll, so not this week, in the coming weeks, we're going to have to like make sense of that so that you keep this straight. Uh Okay, so let me tell you these three things that just kind of you can understand what's happening. We're still in the chapters of Jerusalem's crusade, but a major shift has taken place, which was the death of Stephen by the hands of the Sanhedrin. This is the last rejection of Israel as a nation to God's will. The first one, okay, would be the murder of John the Baptist as a rejection of God the Father. And you would see that in Matthew 11, 7 through 15. Okay, and so there is a purpose that he is there before Jesus comes in order for the remission of sins. So he's baptizing in that way. And then you see that eventually it leads to a a beheading and then Jesus makes a statement. And that's what the scripture reference I gave you is what Jesus is saying out of his own mouth. Very important, very critical. You want to read that. The next one would be the murder of Jesus is a rejection of the son. Okay, so that's all of Matthew 27. You for sure want to read that. You're going to see who it is that are the murderers. The Lord in the Bible is not pulling any punches. It's making sure that there is an understanding that God's will is not being uh, taken, whether it's by the Father, whether it's by the Son, or now finally with Stephen's death is a rejection of the Holy Spirit. And remember he said that Right before it was that the stoning took place. Okay, so, and just in terms of this rejection, that's why I'm always telling you there's a shift that's happening. So gradually, what you're kind of seeing is a baton, so to speak, that will be handed, and eventually that the world will have, and in the church age, for sure, as we understand it, will be in full bloom. And why this is is odd is... You're going to see people get saved and then Holy Spirit 
mentioned to be on them and then not mentioned at all when you get to the eunuch. And so, we'll talk about that because you got to understand, Peter has some interesting keys that he holds. And we need you need to understand what's happening with those keys that he holds. Okay, so, that's that. I just want to give you a precursor to that just to kind of get your head wrapped around it so you understand. You want to look at this book historically. In terms of you trying to pull some doctrine from this, well, this is how people end up on crazy train in Acts. The epistles are there for that purpose. Okay? So the thing is, you want to absolutely listen to, as Peter validated everything that Paul said, as where I'm going to get how it is that I implement the truth of God's word in my life in a physical sense. Does that make sense? That needs to happen once I start in Romans to Philemon. Okay? So, when we're looking at this, we're just seeing how it was that the Lord eventually gets to, well, what we understand today. Okay? So, that's I just wanted to make that disclaimer <laughs> Okay, that we have that. Now, can we pull inspirational truth from anywhere in God's Word? Absolutely. We just got to get our minds wrapped around what is the doctrinal truth that is there in place so that we're not all crazy. Okay? And so, with that, if we go back to the thing that we started reading uh, last week, and let's read that text here, is Acts 8, 5 through uh, 8. It says this, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, and were healed, and there was great joy in the city. Okay, so there are obviously are some pretty fantastic things that are happening. But inspirationally, the thing that we're looking at is that salvation has a transformative nature. Okay, and so from that, we can look at these things that these individuals are wrestling with physically. Spiritually, they also have a counterpart. Okay, and so what we started looking at, and then also there is the development of Philip that goes from being the deacon to what we will now later see him mentioned as is Philip the Evangelist. This dude is about it. He's not afraid. He opens his mouth freely. And I love that. See, the thing inspirationally, absolutely, we can look at it, and really, not even inspirationally, but just literally, is these guys are about it. They've heard a command from the Lord, they believe it wholeheartedly, and they're attending upon it. Man, we can absolutely learn that same thing from those individuals. And remember, last week, we had even talked about that while COVID and just where we are in the world, the country is just in a strange place. The world is in a strange place, but in particular because we are Americans, it's it's weird. Doesn't it feel weird when you go out? It's just strange. It kind of looks like a ghost town sometimes when you're out and people got masks on and it's just what are we doing? I, you know. <laughs> and so it's it's just this odd thing. So there's this persecution that takes place, but listen, God's mission for furthering His kingdom never stops. There's never a time where I can say I, I don't have to be about that. So I always have to look at, does the Bible give me clues and insight 
to where I can say, man, I need to have that same heart. So when you're looking at Stephen has just died a horrible death of being stoned. The next thing these guys do is share the gospel. Wow. Man, we guys, we need tougher skin. There are a lot of ways that we faint and fail over little things. Somebody that they love, that is faithful, that is a side by side. I can, I don't I don't know how it would feel if that was James or Chris. You know what I'm saying? These are my brothers. They are locked in arms. They help me hold this class down. If something like that happened to them, the Lord is still saying, I have to be mission minded. That's what's that that's what's on the table. And so we can absolutely learn that. And so we were saying last week, our key words were great joy. See, the thing is, is that Philip must have clearly understood what was on the table for these Samaritans. And he wanted to give that because he understood what that was going to give them. Why? Because he had it. You cannot give something that you don't have. So it may be a wonder or some insight into why it is that the gospel is maybe um, more like down here and not fresh on your lips, ready to release. Do you have that same joy? Do you feel the same way? Have you considered what it is that transformed in your own life? Do you remember how you were? How annoying you were? (laughs) 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 I mean, not only were you annoying, you were destined for hell. For an eternity separated from God. And you got on people's nerves. And now that you are saved, man, it's a complete flip. And you get to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just something I think that we have to consider because we are we are looking at loss, whether that is the loss of life, the loss of jobs, the loss of, you know, just family peace, the loss of peace within the community. Where's my joy going to come from? Right? Okay. So, our key purpose was then this, from last week, to gain a better understanding of the transformative nature of our salvation. And that was going to lead us to three key points. We needed to look at the three things that those individuals got freed from. Unclean spirits, palsies, and the lame. And so, what ways can we look at it? Now, this is something that, you know, just to write down. So, again, we keep things in the right space. Contextually, with unclean spirits, we are talking about evil spirit possession. In this account, we see that a man named Simon is the reason for this possession. His use of sorcery has imprisoned the people mentally in Samaria. And then also notice that that possession is still not able to stop a person from coming to Christ It is still the choice of that individual. See, there is great power there when we understand that the Lord that we serve is over any power that tries to overtake us. And so with that uncleanness, the thing that you have to understand, what is it that I'm freed from then? Deception and bondage. Deception and bondage. See, what we're going to have to do next week is look at and examine him in a more 
detailed way to understand what kind of what's the character of this dude. Because the way that it reads, if you just read it too quick, like we will do, because we're trying to meet that. I read it. I read today, Lord quota. You know how you do. And then you know you do the head nod of consent when you're like, mm, yes, that was a good word. What did it say? I don't remember, but it sure was good. <laughs> right? And so with that, you're going to see that this guy believed and was baptized. And it was phony. We'll see that next week. And so that uncleanness that we were talking about, that deception, that bondage that this guy brought in. And and let me just say this, uh, Christian. The company you keep can end up keeping you. If you're not careful. See, we have to be careful of the individuals that we join ourselves to. uh, Counsel that we put ourselves under. Things that we let influence or even just, you're like, man, I kind of vibe with that. Do you? You better try the spirits. And see what sort it is. Not everything that is dressed and, and neatly packaged in perfection is right you have the word of God use it to try these things see no longer is there ignorance of the word of God that's what that freedom is from deception and bondage and so what we said here was our joy is in Christ's ability to free us from a life of deception and bondage See, that's something in terms of where we need to take joy is I don't have to just fall for whatever anybody says. Because now I have something to measure man's words, things that I may see, and absolutely anything that I feel. I should never want to trust that, but some of us do. And actually, we're in a culture now that is very much like if you're not happy, then seek that happiness. Even if that means the end of a 20-year marriage. Even if that means that somehow now I need to transform my genetic code to something else. You see what I'm saying? I need to run that against the word of God. I can't just pick and choose like my happiness is high priority. No, why? Because I have great joy in salvation. And that's why I'm saying we have to understand or at least Ask ourselves, do we have the joy that the Bible says that we absolutely should have as a result of being saved? See, the next one was palsies. And contextually, we are talking about those that have a condition of incapacity or helplessness. So now here's the deal with this. This is where you, what you've been free from. No more are you to live defeated. No more should your life be this, this constant... Struggle, man, constant struggle is not normal. You may be making poor choices. <laughs> okay? So you have to maybe ask yourself, why is it that I am always out of money? Because you don't have a budget. And it's any man's guess. And you know, you drive by Chick-fil-A, we all do it. Man, them nuggets smell good. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I have grown to not be in love with Gates like I used to be, but it smells the best of any of the barbecue places in the city. You can smell Gates from miles away. I don't even think it's 
Yeah, they're just in the air. Come on in. I may help you. <laughs> now I still love it. Chris Miller, don't 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 abandon our friendship. No, I I love you. Okay, I just slaps is starting to grow at a higher rate in my mind. It is good. It, I mean, <laughs> if you haven't had that, let me just do a little promo for them. Uh, have slaps. It's very good. <laughs> but see, listen, I, I want you to, in light of perhaps that constant struggle that you have, um, you, you're always out of money. You're always out of work. The relationships that you get in in terms of companionship are toxic. Listen, Christian, you have been gifted with the Holy Spirit of God, the Word of God, and God's people. Why is this the case? No longer should your life be one of defeat. No longer should my life be something that is so messy that, well, it just stops me from having any power to share the gospel. Because then that person that I would maybe want to do like my coworker, because you know how you, you are pretty real at work. We're with those people. It's kind of hard to hide it, right? And so it's eight hours and you're just like, well, here, this is who I am. So now all of a sudden I'm hearing the word of God at church and I'm going to be about the gospel. But you just told them the other day about whatever exploits you did this past weekend, whatever relationship that you have that are inappropriate. And now the gospel's going to fall out of your mouth? I don't think so. See, listen. What you have to do is measure that against the Word of God. And then the other thing that I would implore you to do is let's stop treating prayer like it's the second fiddle thing that I should be doing. I think a lot of times when people say, well, I'm going to pray for you, that we kind of think, oh, of course you are. Yeah, well, that's not going to help me. I'm asking for money, sort of. <laughs> you know? I'm asking for you to help me to move these boxes, not pray for me. <laughs> right? No, listen, that is the first thing I need to do. Let's look at the text. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you are feeling a little bit crazy, a little bit off, a little bit emotional... You have a father that is standing there with arms open saying, I'm waiting for you to tell me your trouble. Why are you trying to handle these things in the flesh? There's no victory in that. Man, you, that's, that's the Lord saved you from that. Prayer is not second fiddle. See, our joy then is this. Our joy is in Christ's victory. He has seen and felt our affliction and he allows us to lay it down before him. We have to do that. And you know, another little secret to sometimes your own struggle is like, you're just so focused on yourself. You need to lift up prayers for other people. That, you know what, if you if there's somebody you don't like, it sure is hard to pray for them. <laughs> if you do, it's just going to change your heart about them. 
This is particularly good for bosses. Because sometimes we all have bosses that you kind of like, mm. praise the Lord, if I can lay hands around your throat. <laughs> and, the Lord, and then what I have to do is pray. Right? Pray for them. Pray for their leadership. Pray that I would submit myself to them. Oh, Lord. Uh-oh. We don't want to pray that. <laughs> you know, there's two things Christians don't like praying for is submission and patience. Because patient lessons are not fun lessons. But they are needful. Right? And the thing is, is we don't have to be afraid of praying for something that absolutely is according to His will. Right? So now the one that we didn't get to from last week is the lame. Contextually, we are talking about people unable to walk normally because of an injury or illness affecting the leg or foot. So what am I free from here? Well, I no longer should I be unfaithful. See, I'm, I should be free from just complete faithlessness. Because essentially, by Christ's example, we're going to see, man, not only does he have the ability to strengthen my legs, then he allows me to be able to stand on that. Then he allows me to be able to run. Man, you were laying down, essentially. And the Lord is like, hey, get up. I mean, that's what salvation can do for you. So, let's look at it. And uh, um, Judges 1, 21, or no, this is in Jude, I'm sorry, Judges, no. You know when you put the little three-letter <laughs> abbreviation, I was in my head, I was like, which one is it? <laughs> no, it's in Jude. Okay, listen, one twenty-one. keep yourselves in the love of God. I underline that. Maybe you should too. Because you know what? That's a position that it says that you have to do. Isn't that interesting? Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion. See, remember that in the prayer we were saying to make for those other individuals? Man, let those prayers change your heart. Making a difference. And then others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Man, that's awesome. (laughs) See, we need God's mercy toward the weakness of our flesh in order to do what he has called us to do. And since he can keep us, we should be most interested in bringing him glory. See, that in terms of your salvation, when you think about that, man, the Bible is saying he's able to keep you. Man, not only is he able to keep you from hell and damnation, but now he's like, even in your life, I'm able to keep you. And the only thing that I need to do at the beginning, it told us, is keep yourselves in the love of God. So how do I do that? I have to obey. The Lord has given me instructions. And you can understand why now a person like Philip, and you see it seems heroic what he's doing, and simply it's obedient. 
man, you don't have to look at the leaders and pastors of this church or other churches. I know, man, we all feel a way about Mark Trotter, but he's just obedient. I'm telling you, he wants no fandom. Sam wants no fandom. If we could just simply obey, man, the Lord will for surely make you useful. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, you know it. It says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and get this, underline it, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ Die for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. You see how Paul is super concise, but that's the gospel. <laughs> it's the terms of the gospel. It's like a sentence. Do you realize now that you are standing? Previously, you may have been kneeling under the pressure and weight of your own sin. Under expectations and trying to work your way to God somehow. Man, you're free from that. Essentially, now I can stand. And I can stand in front of Him without melting. <laughs> you know? I can stand there and lay things down at His feet and say, look, I don't want to deal with that. Would you deal with that? Absolutely, set it down. It's like uh, the Malawi thing. You know, we're going to lay these clothes down and give them. And yep, the Lord's like, yeah, let's just make a pile over there. We'll take, I'll take care of them. Now, we're going to send that stuff to Malawi. He will just burn that stuff up. Make a pile. Give it to him. What are you doing with the gospel that you don't have great joy? I, man, we have to start asking ourselves this. Because listen, I don't think that the times are going to improve. I just don't. The way things are happening in our country is like at a rapid rate. I, just, I went to India and I, I was like, man, whoo, I made it back. I can't believe it. Now it's like, am I in India? What is this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't, I have no idea, guys. The only thing I am for sure of is the gospel that saved me. Mm-hmm. And the mission that I have to do with it. That's the only thing I can be certain for. In Philippians 2.14, it says... Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Why? That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And what am I doing? Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not, get it, underline it, run in vain. Neither labored in vain. See, now, not the Lord put strength in your legs. He gave you a place to stand. And now he's like, man, run with that. Man, fill up those guys. What we're seeing out of these apostles, these deacons, these leaders and these churches is they are running with the gospel. Christian, will we run with the gospel? Are you, man, listen. I want to challenge you. Uh, let's get out of the mentality that's like, well, I will disciple when I get paired up. Go get your disciple. Do not wait to be paired up. 
Be available, but don't wait. There's fruit out there. <laughs> Open your mouth. <laughs> you have to be sharing. You have to be telling people what it is, the good news that you have. The great joy that supposedly you have. Prove it. Our joy here has to be this, man. is in Christ's example of faithfulness. If you go back and you read through how it is that he lived his life, man, he saw what everything was ahead of him and in front of him, and yet still, even to his death, he went to the cross. He knew full the full weight of what that was going to look like. And my one of my favorite moments for him is like, I'm paraphrasing, just when, you know, when he's like, man, if there's something else, if we can do something else, pass this cup. And in the next breath, he's like, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Man, I pray sometimes, I'm like, Lord, let me be that swift to correction. Let me be that swift to want to just submit myself to you and say, Lord, make me useful. I'm in a situation, I, I, I hear the nature of this conversation is going a particular way. Let me get on the on-ramp. Let me not let fear take over and then I just do some pleasantry. Okay, see you later. And then the whole time I'm walking to the car, I'm like, man, why did I say something? I don't want to do that. I'm tired of it. You missing opportunities. I have great joy. And there are people that live around me, that work with me, that are outside the walls of this church. That are contemplating ending their life because nobody cares about them. Is what they think. They have no joy. And I cannot with my joy be at peace that they have no joy. You see what I'm saying? That's the way this needs to change. It can't be that, man, I got it. I made it out. Good luck. No. God forbid that I have a good luck attitude about these people that I'm around. Because there is no luck. You are around them. Tell them. It's tell them. I don't know what else to tell you, but to tell them. Tell you to tell them. Tell them the good news. The conclusion is this. No matter how ignorant we were, how defeated we were, or faithless we have been, salvation is the answer to real change in our lives. You cannot get over it. You shouldn't. God forbid that you do. Because then you will mishandle it. And we need to be, man, listen, I don't know when the Lord is coming back, but you know, it's kind of like the thing I always think about Sam talking about that, you know, whenever he comes back, I want to be caught with the vacuum in my hand, like, oh, just clean up over here, boss. (laughs) Everything good? Yes. Let's go. All right. Now, the vacuuming then would be that I'm sharing the gospel or discipleship or something of that nature. Right? But like, I want to be found at work. I pray that you will as well. And so, man, that that's what I have for you this morning. And as we go into it further and try to unravel these things that are not that hard to unravel. I mean, the Lord just forces you to have to look in other places in order to get your head straight. So we're going to have to 
kind of move around. It will probably be more teaching than preaching, over the, just so we can get our heads wrapped into what it is that we're looking at. But, um, man, I'm excited because I learned it. <laughs> My eyes are like, bing! I was like, oh, man, this is cool, you know. <laughs> and so I can't wait to share that with you uh, in the coming weeks. But uh, let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed, okay? <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, again, Lord, we thank you. And uh, Lord, help us to just double down on the truth of what the gospel means, not only in eternity, but for our lives right now. Father, we want to be a people that obeys the command of Scripture, that we would share the good news of Jesus Christ, and that we would see uh, that transformative nature take place in the lives of those that are friends and family. Lord, would you use us, please? Lord, get us outside of ourselves, and Lord, restore that great joy in us. Help us to take heed to the thing that the Holy Spirit has been whistling to us for maybe months now, years. Lord, would you give us fruit? Help us to obey your word. Lord, help us to have strength in our legs, to stand properly on the truth of the gospel, and then, Lord, to run with it. Lord, let our hearts be broken for those that don't know you and don't have it and don't even want you. Lord, I pray that we would be praying people. Lord, I pray that our testimony at work would be right, that our our companies would benefit from us being there. And then, Lord, that our that cubicle partner or the or just those those key friends that we have, Lord, that the gospel would come from our lips to their ears. Lord, would you give us boldness? Lord, I'm praying with can we have people, men and women of peace in our neighborhoods? at our jobs, that you have been priming the pump and just waiting for us to be obedient. Lord, we are a captive audience right now. And so, Father, use us to your glory. Lord, thank you so much just for everything that you did on the cross. And Lord, as I always say, and more importantly, your power of resurrection and where you sit right now in all authority. Lord, thank you for all of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.